Grab your Bibles and open up to the book of Joshua, making our way through the Old Testament thanks to Hebrews chapter 11. Each week we're meeting another hero of the faith who is teaching us lessons about our walk with the Lord that can only be learned through them. And we're heading to the book of Joshua this morning. We'll be in chapter 5 to start. Let me begin by asking you this though. Are you facing a big problem in your life? This is not going away. You have a big problem in your life. I found a few pictures of uh, what I would call big problems. Here's the first one. Big problem. Here's the next one. If you're in that class, you have a big problem. And uh, finally, I love this one. This guy, yeah, he, uh, he's facing a big problem problem. When we, when we face big problems in our life, we would kind of love to find this button somewhere on the dashboard, maybe in our car, maybe in our home, but just one button, push it, and it's problem solved. And maybe you feel frustrated at just how long this problem uh, has, has stayed in your life. This morning, we'll see that God's people are led to a big problem. They are led there by God, and this problem is the size of a fortified city. This problem is named Jericho. And why would God lead his people to a head-on collision with one of the largest fortified cities that they would ever encounter? Uh, Well, we learned something about faith at the walls of Jericho that we couldn't learn anywhere else. Um, The question this morning is, what does faith look like in real lives When real people face real problems. What does faith look like in real lives of real people who face real problems? Uh, Faith is not just a feeling that helps us get by. Uh, Faith is not a creed written on paper that we signed at some point in our past. Uh, Faith is not baseless optimism that believes everything will just somehow work out. And faith is not mystic hope, like a wishing well or blowing out birthday candles. What? What is faith? And that's what this entire series is meant to show us. We'll see today the two fundamental kinds of faith that are described in the Bible. You may want to write these down. The two fundamental kinds of faith found in the Bible. First, saving faith. Saving faith is a moment that changes eternity and solves our biggest problem in this life. Saving faith is a moment that changes all of eternity and involves solving our biggest problem in this life. There's saving faith, but then there's walking faith. And walking faith is a thousand moments that change endlessly and is the solution to every other problem God brings into your life. Saving faith is a moment that changes eternity and solves your greatest problem forever. Walking faith is a thousand moments that change endlessly and is the solution to every other problem brings into your life. We're going to see both saving faith and walking faith on display at the walls of Jericho. But let's pray before we go there together. Father above, we know that you have called us to walk by faith. We are saved by faith. Lord, our prayer is that you would show us here through the Israelites, what it means to believe to walk with you. Show us especially as we think about our 
most immovable problems, how exactly we are supposed to process them and what you ask us to do while they linger. Speak to us this morning, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 6. Are you there? Joshua chapter 6. Are you there? Okay, we're actually going to back up just a little bit. Uh, Joshua 5.13. But first, let me give you a little context. Um, The author in Hebrews uh, is mentioning all these Old Testament heroes one after the other. So we just got done spending four weeks with Moses, and the author of Hebrews has skipped over a ton of material. Real quick, last week we walked through the Red Sea, got to the other side. What happened from that point on is they got to Sinai. We could have spent a year on that, Ten Commandments. Then God gave His people their first chance to cross over into the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. Get in there. Uh, You remember what happened? The twelve spies came back, and ten of them them said, We can't do it. The people are tall. They're much taller than us, and the cities are big. And so let's just go back to where? Egypt. Egypt. And, uh, and God was not happy with this. But two of the spies, Caleb and, Caleb and said, let's take this land. Uh, but the people would hear none of it. They talked about stoning Moses and going back to Egypt, and God was furious. He judged them and said, that's it. For 40 years, you will die in the wilderness. Everybody over the age of 20 died in the wilderness over a 40-year period, leaving only two senior citizens in the whole country. They didn't have any Medicare problems in that country. All right. Retirement, party of two. Uh, They were the only ones left, a testimony of God's awful judgment when God's people refused by faith to advance. Now, they bring a unique perspective to the next generation. So when we get into the book of Joshua, this is a very interesting person. Hebrews 11:30 to 31 says, "By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days." And then it says, "By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies." We're going to talk about Joshua first. Uh, Joshua, and, and over here, I'm going to recruit everybody in this section over here. Congratulations. You get to play the part of Joshua in today's story. You excited about that? No, not you. Not you. We'll get to your part. Over here, are you excited about playing the role of Joshua this morning? All right, let me tell you about your role. Joshua is a role model of faith. He is reported favorably as a military commander, a spy. He was an assistant to Moses. In fact, you were in the tent behind a curtain while Moses was meeting with God. Moses came out glowing because he met with God. You came out of the tent right after him. Uh, You were also a family man. Few men in the Bible receive such comprehensive praise as you. There's no record of the Lord's anger or displeasure with you, and you are given tremendous political and military power. How does it feel to have all that power? Feel good? Turn to the person next to you and say, it feels good. Joshua over here, you are an example to the rest of us today of a seasoned leader facing the greatest trial your faith has ever encountered. Uh, You've seen the glory of God with your own eyes in ways that the rest of us have not. You've seen what happens when other people fail to walk by faith. It's your job now to take what you have learned and to advance others in their understanding of the Lord. That's the part you've been cast to play this morning. 
Let's read about Joshua in Joshua 5, verse 13. It says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. Uh, hey, you know, you know Jericho is a fortified city. So you walk up ahead of the army to check it out. But you meet somebody there who you didn't expect to see. It says, his eyes looked and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. First lesson of faith learned at the walls of Jericho brought to us by Joshua. Jot this down. Faith gets low and humbly asks for direction. Faith gets low and humbly asks for direction. Uh, when you encounter a problem that just won't move and you're afraid and you go up along to see it and scope it out, faith gets low and humbly asks for direction. Uh, Joshua, our role model, I thought about him a lot this week, and you know, I sometimes like to try and find a modern-day example, either real or, or fictional, to, to help us get a feel for who this person would be like. And I think if I had to pick a person to play the role of Joshua in my imagination, all of you Lord of the Rings fans would be happy with this. I picked, uh, this is Faramir, um, one of the rulers uh, in, in uh, was it Gondor? It was. And he was known for being this uh, strong ruler you would not want to fight. I mean, a warrior in battle, and yet he is good-natured and kind, a man who you would follow uh, into any fight. I kind of imagine him being that way. Joshua is being this good-natured, loves his family. There's very few dads in the Bible who get a praise report from the Lord that is favorable. Joshua got that down, and he got the warrior and the leader of the nation down. But he's walking up to Jericho, He's scoping it out. Strong man. Godly man. Um, And he sees this guy between him and Jericho. So he walks up and starts asking him questions. Are you with them or are you with us? Surprise answer. The answer is no. So like on a test, if you get A or option B, you're supposed to pick one of the two. Uh, But this guy... You know, are you with us or are you with our enemies? No, none of the above. It's a surprise answer. No, no. And then Joshua hears some things about this, this person. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Wow. So we learn a few things about God. God's got an army. Why does God need an army? Uh, there is war waged in heaven. Did you know that? The spiritual realm is at total war. And the forces of darkness are trying to gain control over the forces of light. War in heaven. And so spiritual warfare is the invisible conflict that overflows into our world, throws our world into turmoil. God's got an army. And there's a commander of the army of the Lord. Um, This being, this person, says, I have come, standing in between Joshua and his problem is the commander of the army of the Lord. And reading on, it says, Joshua fell on his face and worshipped, 
What does, and he called him, my Lord, and he said, I'm your servant. The commander said, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. This is more than an angel. We don't worship an angel. Therefore, our, in our theology, the best understanding of who this person is, is a pre-incarnate form of the Lord Jesus, who came down and made himself known before he took on flesh. Uh, there's other opinions, but this is, I think, the best um, possible conclusion based on Joshua worshiping and saying, my Lord, and this being the commander of the armies of the Lord. Jesus was literally, literally beat him to the problem, got there first, was standing with a sword drawn in his hand, ready to take on the problem. But something had to happen first. I'm going to help you with this, but I have to get you in a proper posture of worship in my presence first. The same is true of you. When you face a problem, I don't know how it's going to move. I don't know what's going to happen with this. And the Lord says, first, remember who I am and remember who you are. Then, get flat on your face, a posture of humility and worship, knowing I've beat you to the problem, knowing I am fully capable of taking on this problem, and I'm ready to do so. But first, you and me, let's get into the right relationship here. The thought of you facing your problem could be daunting, but the thought of you having to lean to one side of the other to look around your God who's between you and your problem gives you courage. When you see Him there, you see Him already there, you see Him ready for whatever it is, it gives you courage and confidence, but then you must get low and humbly ask for direction. And this was a major problem. Jericho was a fortified city. The settlement at Jericho goes back to the 9,000 B.C. It's one of the oldest established cities ever found. Excavations have found a stone wall. We've got some pictures here. This is the city from above. They found it, a big city on a hill that, uh, that would have uh, fortifications and people living inside. And you can see how they're digging in the middle to find out what's underneath there. So check out the next picture. There's a guy standing next to one of the walls that they have unearthed. And what they think, the way the city was laid out is there was one wall that was uh, perhaps 15 feet high uh, and 5 feet thick. And then the one wall was on the ground level, and then a hill of just earth, I mean, sloped up for another 15 feet. Okay, so wall, then hill, 15 feet, and then another wall at the top. You add it all up, and the the wall could uh, add up to be about 30 feet high and 25 feet thick. 30 feet high and 25 feet thick. What hope do we have of those walls coming down? Uh, None. Um, So what could Joshua do? Well, he got flat on his face. He took a posture before the Lord, and he realized that this take your sandals off business was like a flashback to Moses' day when he was in the presence of the Lord. And ask yourself this. uh, Joshua didn't think it was time to get all macho, to tell the Lord how tough he is. Thanks for picking me because these guns are going to get us into that city. Joshua got flat, this strong, godly warrior with all the power in the nation gets flat on his face and says, my Lord, what would you have me do? And, uh, and has your problem driven you to your knees in front of the holy and awesome and mighty God who wants to help you with this? Are you trying to toughen up and take it on alone or are you running like a, like a chicken with your head cut off not knowing what to do? Faith gets low and humbly asks for direction. 
Well, there's a second truth here. Jot this down. Faith acts like God is telling the truth. Faith acts like God is telling the truth. What is walking faith? Well, get low and ask for direction and act like God is telling the truth. Check out chapter 6, verse 1. 6, verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. I love that. It's like, hold out your hand. Everybody go like this. Hold out your hand. And like it's a marble, God's like, bing, I've given it into your hand. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant. Let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. They said, go forward, march around the city. All right, now Joshua, you're getting the people ready to rumble. Now, those of you who are seated in the middle section, congratulations. You are cast in the role of the Israelites this morning. That's a good thing, because it's a good day to be an Israelite. All right? Some days where you wouldn't want to be cast, but this day, you can smile. It's a good day to be cast in the role of the Israelites. Okay, but your commander over there just came to you and said, I I got a plan. The plan is, we're going to walk around the city once a day. All of us. We're going to do that for six days in a row. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Then on the seventh day, we're going to walk around the city seven times. Uh Uh-huh. And then we're going to shout with our outside voices. Uh You don't know how to feel about that plan, do you? Okay, like what if you're, do you have any uh, military, you're in the military in the back, uh, in the past, veterans, go ahead, put your hands up. Okay, like what if, what if like they told you, here's the plan, okay, we're going to go into Afghanistan, okay? We're going to walk around the city once a day. We're going to fly our planes around the city once a day. And then, and then on the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times, and then we're all going to shout. Oh. How long would that commander have a job? Right? Like general gone, by the end of the day. Uh, but Joshua brings this plan to you. And you're actually pretty fired up about it. because uh, Not because he's the man or because he has a great plan, but because you understand that the Lord has put victory in your hand. It's the only hope you have. So we learn something about faith here. Faith gets low and humbly asks for direction. Then faith acts like God is telling the truth. When you have a problem and you don't know what to do about it, you have to take what you've heard on your knees, on your face, and actually act it out. I have to act like in my situation and circumstance, God is going to do something that he has promised to do. You want to see a few more pictures of some problems, some people facing problems? Check out this picture. How'd you like to own that home? Insurance don't cover that. How about the next one? Yeah, wow. 
rough night, check my policy, that, that's a problem. How about the next one? I like this one. That, <laughs> from the animal kingdom on that one. I, I don't know how I got into this mess, and I'm not sure how I'm going to get out of it, but uh, hey, do you have a, a problem and you don't know, you don't know what to do about it? Um, hey, by faith, get low and ask for direction. By faith, then act like God is telling the truth. And we learned last week on the shores of the Red Sea, your problem is there for a reason, so that God can receive glory so that he can show all those around you what he does for those he loves. It's there for a reason. It's there because he allowed it. Um, And he promises crazy things in the New Testament. He promises to work all things together for the good of those who love him. All things, right? You see all these insurance commercials like, oh, your cut rate insurance may not cover this. Uh, Hey, God's, God's plan covers all mayhem. All Covered by his plan. There's nothing you can cover. Well, you don't understand my problem. It's like very unique. Uh, uh, as if he's going to be like, oh, I checked your policy and that one isn't in there. I'm sorry. You're not covered. Uh, all things. And when you get up off your face praying and then you have to go and do what God has said, you have to believe that he has promised and you have to act like he's telling the truth. The Israelites are getting ready for battle. Joshua, you've got them ready, but you know the challenge is still coming. And now we meet another person. Turn back to Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, because within the walls of Jericho, we meet another person highlighted in the Scripture. So chapter 2, verse 1, and we're, we're going back in time here. This has already happened. It says in chapter 2, verse 1, And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, and especially Jericho. They went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. It was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. When the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the, to the men, I, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them. Deliver our lives from death. 
Now this section over here, I'm going to cast you to play the part of Rahab and her family. Rahab and her family. You're all low class to the rest of us over here. You're all wicked. You've lived sinful lives. You're those people. And uh, frankly, the rest of us kind of look down on you, don't we? In fact, let's give them a little look of how disapproving we are of this life that Rahab and probably her family uh, have spent their sinful and filthy and Guilty. You should be ashamed of yourselves, of all the careers to pick. But something is different about you. Um, Jot this down. Faith seeks rescue from God's terrifying judgment. You are teaching us a lesson from inside Jericho about faith and about God. What you're showing us is not walking faith like the one kind. You're showing us something about saving faith that each one of us needs to learn. Faith seeks rescue from God's terrifying judgment. And listen, you know it. God's awful judgment is coming on your entire city like tomorrow. All right, let's talk about why. We have to kind of give an answer for why God's terrifying judgment would come upon your people. Fair? Not one of your people is going to survive the day. How could God do that? Why would God do that? Well, let me give you four reasons why God would bring terrifying judgment against this city. First, Genesis 15-16 to says that God delayed His judgment against your people for over 600 years. God's been waiting on you for a long time. All right? I would classify all of you as the slow learners in the classroom. It's taken a real long time for your people to figure out that God's judgment is coming. And yet that's true for most of us in the room. Faith lesson learned, God's patience will run out. Not just with them, but with all of us. Israelites, you saw what happened to your relatives last week, right? Forty years in the wilderness and God wasn't. So God's judgment, His patience will run out. God's been talking to Abraham about you guys. He said, not yet, not yet. Their sin has not yet reached the full measure. So God has mercifully been waiting for over 600 years. Second, Leviticus 18 says that you were utterly depraved. Like they're sinful, and then there's like really sinful, and then there's like you. A new class of depravity. If you read through Leviticus 18, we find out that your people are engaging in incest, adultery, child sacrifice. You're killing your own children to please false gods. Homosexual activity and even bestiality marks your kingdom. God says enough, enough. Faith lesson, my sin provokes God's judgment. In addition, it endangers all those around me. Third, we understand that they fought against God's people. Joshua eleven nineteen to 20 says, you didn't try and make peace. You went to war. The walls of your city were erected at that time to keep God's people out of the promised land which is a problem for the rest of us because God's trying to get the people into the land to form the nation that will birth the Messiah and bring salvation to the world. There you are in your kingdom trying to stop it, which is a problem for us. You fought against God's people. Faith lesson, if you stand against God's plan, you are at war with God and you won't win. What about the innocents? What about those in the city who didn't do anything? Or Faith lesson. Any government that stands against God's plan prevents His 
provokes him to anger endangers all of those in the land. Every government needs to learn this, our government included. Government has been given a trust by God. If they violate that trust, they put all of their citizens in danger, young and old. God delayed his judgment. They were utterly depraved. They fought against God's people and forth. If, if God would, uh, they would lead Israel into uh, idolatry and immorality. This is the biblical case that's made for why this happens. If allowed to live with Israel, they would provoke God to judgment and continue ongoingly to jeopardize the promised Messiah coming in and the plan being fulfilled. It's in this kingdom that you, Rahab and family, have grown up. You haven't known any other way. But it's interesting what Rahab said. She said, I know God said the land is yours. She said, I heard what God did at the Red Sea. She said, our hearts melt with fear of the coming judgment. And by faith, she said, the Lord, He is God. She's risking her life, leaving all of her gods and her people behind trying to save herself from God's coming judgment that she's terrified of. Not only that, she's trying to get her family in the house with her. All right, now imagine this, those of you who are the family members. All right, this is the crazy sister in the family. Do you have that sister in your family? Maybe you are that sister in your family. I don't know. Everybody, something happened. She's at a family party. Something happened. These spies came from Israel and I hit them. You did what? No, 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 listen. God's judgment is coming. I know it. Whole city's going to go down. They told me they'll save me. Just get in the room. It, you, it is taking faith for you to trust her, right? For you to get in her house, you're putting your own lives at risk. As Israel comes, they find out what happened, you're all dead. By faith, you listen to her. By faith, you go into her house believing that you will be saved from judgment. You're therefore a portrait to all the rest of us of what saving faith really is. And here's the thing, God's judgment is coming on each and every one of us. There has to be a point in life where we find saving faith. When we hear that we are like a broken down car on railroad tracks, car won't start, doors are locked, seatbelts jammed, we can't get out. Then the Lord Jesus comes up to the window and says, I could save you. Not help you, not teach you, not love you, not bless you. Save you. Um, if you say, no, I'm good, I'm good. Some good music here. Heated seats. Um, saving faith is a moment that changes eternity. It solves your greatest problem. Faith, lays, faith seeks rescue from God's terrifying judgment. And Rahab is a role model to all of us of our need for salvation. And we must know that God has said, Jesus is the Lord in the only way. We must hear what God did at the cross, that He poured out His wrath on His Son, paid the penalty for my sins and yours. Our our hearts must melt with fear because hell is forever and real and coming. And then by faith we must say, through Christ, He is the Lord, He is my Savior, He is my God. Baptism service is coming up on March 10th, and I would just say this. Your way of showing that you've been saved um, is not tying a scarlet cord in the window like Rahab, but of getting in front of the church, numbering yourself among God's people and saying, I've repented of my sins and I'm ready 
to proclaim my faith publicly. Hey, don't wait. Don't wait. The time to do that is now. Faith seeks rescue from God's terrifying judgment. She gives us hope that any one of us could be saved. Prostitute. Not saved based on her own merit or goodness or turning over a new leaf. Saved because she has what? Faith. That God would save her. She found it. She found it. Verse 12, now then, please swear to me that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will save alive my father and mother. Verse 14, and the men said to her, our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, he will deal kindly and faithfully with you. She let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. Wow. Well, we learned about so far, two things about walking faith. Faith gets low and humbly asks for direction. Thank you, Joshua. Israelites are showing us faith acts like God is telling the truth. Rahab on the inside, faith seeks rescue from God's terrifying judgment. Now, jot this down, number four, fourth faith lesson learned at the walls of Jericho. Faith lays siege to immovable problems. Faith lays siege to immovable problems. Turn ahead to chapter 6, and the battle is on. Chapter 6, turn to chapter 6. Again, verse 12, verse 12. All right, then Joshua rose up early in the morning and the priests took up the Ark of the Lord. The Ark of the Lord, you've seen it before in the movies. Go ahead and show a picture. Here's the Ark of the Lord, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's kind of a depiction of what it might look like. Uh, Made by Moses and his craftsmen, it would be put in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, which was the uh, mobile uh, tent version of God's temple and then when they would build the temple that would be put in the very innermost sanctuary of the temple the ark represents god's kingly presence on earth god is everywhere in the universe but he's not everywhere in the same way and he said this is my earthly throne that's where my power and my presence will be most gloriously displayed in your midst so they took the ark of the lord and walked on and they blew the trumpets continually Uh, that gives us such courage When you have a problem and God's calling you to besiege it through prayer, He's there. His kingly presence is there with you. Beat you to it. Was in between you and the problem. And as you endure it day in and day out, His presence is right there with you. The armed men were walking before them and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. The second day they marched around the city once, returned into the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day, marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, your word is shout. Joshua said to the people, for the Lord has given you the city and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted. The trumpets were blown. Soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. Well done. 
and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house, bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. Wow. The Israelites, you are giving us an example of what it means by faith to besiege immovable problems in our life. And we learn from you so much here at the walls of Jericho. We learn that God has beat us to the problem, that God is present with us every day the problem persists. Um, And you represent those who believe what they hear and by faith obey what they hear. I think your testimony could be read like this if you were telling the story. God called us to follow him to a land of promised blessing. And then he led us to a roadblock the size of an entire city. And he wouldn't let us go back or go around it. He wanted us to camp by it, to live by it, to make it our place of abiding presence day after day. He wanted us to wake up to this formidable roadblock for an extended period of time. And most of all, he wanted us to take a stand of faith against it. All along, he reassured us that the roadblock would be removed, but it looked immovable and it felt permanent. God will lead you to a problem that he will not immediately solve. God will lead you to a problem that you will have to wake up to day after day after day. He could solve it. The walls of Jericho was more like wallpaper to God. All right, understand that to God, this was a very small problem. And our problems, as big as they feel to us, are very small problems to God. But your faith is a very big deal. So God will take your very small problems to help your faith grow stronger and stronger as he walks you through them. He could get rid of it, but he won't. What is it that makes you feel that way? Some in our church face financial problems, a crisis with the economy. Why isn't God fixing it? Why do I wake up to this every day? It hasn't gone away. I'm camping by it. Some of us have health problems that God has chosen not to solve in an instant, though he could. He could. Why? Why is it still there? Something go wrong with my faith? No. Some of us face relational problems, marital problems, broken relationships we can't fix. Why didn't God fix it? Is there something wrong with my faith? No. And I'm not going on six days here. I'm going on like six years. I'm, I'm going on like I'm walking around this problem day in and day out. 
Why doesn't God just push the button and get rid of it? We have an answer in the New Testament. 1 Peter 1.7 says this, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your problem is there because as you walk by faith around it, wait for God to do away with it, God is gaining glory for Himself. He's growing your faith stronger than ever, and He's going to show everyone around you what He does for those He loves. You've got to believe that. You've got to walk that. Faith is for real people with real problems. The Israelites set us that example. And in the end, it'll be clear nothing can stand against our God. He's, impossi- He's unstoppable and nothing is impossible for Him. You will find that He will do away with your problem effortlessly in His time, or He'll use it. And that brings us to the fifth lesson of faith learned at Jericho. Faith gets low and humbly asks for direction. Acts like God is telling the truth. Faith seeks rescue from God's terrifying judgment and lays siege to immovable problems. And finally, Faith shouts for joy when God does the unbelievable. Faith shouts for joy when God does the unbelievable. We've got one more picture of a guy with a problem. All right, check this out. I like this maybe is how you feel right now. This maybe is how you feel right now. now. This thing has got you. You've got nowhere to go and there's no hope of getting out of it. But if you walk by faith and trust the Lord, I think this last picture represents a guy who had a problem. That's now gone. God will lead you through the problem. He will work on your behalf, but you must walk by faith. Let's take a moment right now. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. And this is your chance to respond to what you have just heard. This is your chance right now to walk over to that problem that won't go away, to trust by faith that the Lord is already there, to get low in your heart, and to ask God to do what only He can do. Take this moment of silence right now. to get low in your heart in the presence of the Lord. And I want you to tell Him in your heart what it is that is the biggest problem you're facing. Tell Him what it is. He already knows about it, but tell Him anyway. Even if it's painful to think about it, tell him. Tell him you believe what he has promised. Though you're angry that it's still there, tell him to use it to glorify himself in ways you could never predict.
and then ask him by faith when the time is right to remove the problem altogether and believe he can do it. Let's stand together and by faith sing one more song. <laughs>